being skeptical, but uh, there's there's some security in having a mech hanger in your bag. You can pack your ginsters into your tube and cook it as you go on the way around. How much? I wouldn't like to be peeling it off afterwards. I'm aware of my non-qualification to join in this discussion. I'm trying to keep quiet. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, welcome to Single Track World's podcast. I'm Hannah Dobson. Also here we have... Mark, that's me. And Amanda. Well, here we are. So let's do a little bit of a news roundup. We've got to come an interview from Mark's trip to Utah on a giant launch, which he is finally allowed to talk about. That's going to come at the end. But for now, let's talk about the news. So Mark, the news this week. The news this week has been, well, certainly in our sphere in the office has been one of launches so many bite launches this week not only in the same week but on the same day and within mm-hmm. hours of each other so we've had what have we had the first one that went out was canyons neuron so mm-hmm. the canyon the new canyon neuron launch went out this was was it tuesday or wednesday it's tuesday it was tuesday yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah that was followed just a couple of hours later by it wasn't a, a bite launch was it? it was the sram axis Eagle, that was really popular story. That went absolutely nuts because this is a this is SRAM's sort of a trickle down process, isn't it? Their wireless group set trickling down to a different level and coming well, out. Well, now this is this is the new thing at the top. Oh right, have I got that totally wrong? You got it totally wrong. Right, well, I mean, pay attention, it. pay attention. This is the new thing at the top that we're going to wait for it to trickle down. So. This is the all the UDH stuff that's been going on, the universal derailleur hanger that's been out there. That's been so that you can have bikes that will be compatible with this new SRAM Eagle, which does away with that little bit of fragile hanger and actually bolts directly onto the bike. So it's it's strong. Is that the idea? You can get lots of videos out there of people standing on their rear mechs now. This isn't this piece of tech. This rear rear hanger finally it's disappearing. It's going it's going away. Isn't just re, um, restricted to access, is it? Because it's also on the new neuron. The video 
that Benji did actually shows the new kind of bolt-on attachment for the rear hanger. So it isn't just an, an axis thing, this new no, hanger. It's, so a hanger is a hanger that it matches up with other bits of derailleur. But then if your bike frame is compatible with the new Eagle, then it will also be UDH compatible. And so the it kind of, you take that hanger, that universal hanger that has been out there for a while, you take that out and instead you slot in the uh, this new Eagle thing. So it has a slightly different chain line. Um, it bolts in to the chainstay, but then it doesn't bolt all the way through. It doesn't go through your axle. Um, and so you need to have a frame that is compatible with this particular setup so that the chain lines and everything work right does part of the compatible frame include it being stronger because you don't have a nice flimsy mech to snap if you have a major impact i'm being skeptical mm. but uh, there's, we, there's some security in having a mech we, hanger in your bag well sram says that that it's so strong down there that it's fine you're not going to smash your chain stays off I do wonder whether we may find out whose chain strays are stronger than others uh, in time. But yeah, that's remains to be seen. Universal derailleur hanger. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So an unintended consequence of UDH is it's going to free up so much space on the walls of bike shops and workshops. Because for years, bike shops have had a poster sent to them every year mm. from somebody in the bike, probably Madison or something like that. I've seen one that was literally almost A1 in size, and it it was just covered in every different gear hanger on the market mm. with all the details and the codes under it so that you know you could reference any bike and go, right, well, this is this hanger that's on the fourth column across and the 17th row down, and that's the hanger we need. The UDH is just going to get rid of that completely. Yeah, and so that has been in the industry for a while now and being filtering through. But as I understand it, just because you can use that particular hanger doesn't necessarily mean that your frame is quite compatible with the new uh, Eagle. And there's a list of 200 or more and growing frames that are compatible with the new Eagle. Mm. But because some of the clearances are slightly different and the chain line is slightly different. So it's it's whole a whole world of engineering. It's a package that goes together. You can't kind of mix and match bits. And um, ultimately, not only is it strong, but you also can shift under load. Mm. So the whole of the cassette <clears throat> is laid out uh, in a specific way so that it kind of pushes the chain up or down, uh-huh. uh, like facilitates that movement as you go round. And it also doesn't have all those fiddly little high and low and B uh, screw things that I have to look up on YouTube every time because I can't get them straight in my head. It has a red ring and you put it in the red ring and then uh, you set it up and then you can use the little access buttons for fine tuning. But that's about it. Mm. So it's, it's supposed to be much easier to set up and they're more robust once it's there and you can just keep pedaling and hauling and not worry about when you shift i need that i always forget you know and you sort of go down a dip and then you're halfway up the other side and mm. realize that i've forgotten to shift mm. we have a lot of that around here as well don't we because we yeah. have a lot of like steep drop steep up and you can't see it coming kind of thing so yeah 
Benji is not one to have his head turned by trinkets and bling, but he, he's quite impressed with this, isn't he? So. Yeah, the old cynic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you want to read all the details on that, then head over to our website because it's a good story. Yeah. So that was only the second of the launches on Wednesday. Yeah. The third yeah. one was 4 p.m. Wednesday, and that was the new giant. I, I, I tell you, the model, this model really rolls off the tongue. Let's see if I can remember it without my notes. I mean, I was there. The giant trans. X Advanced E Plus Elite Model Zero. That's its full title. Just rolls off the tongue. And is the Model Zero the bottom of the range or the top of the range? Oh, just to confuse things. No, that's the top of the range. Okay. Yeah. So go on, tell us what's the what's the entry model price point? Do you know the entry. Well, this is the carbon range. There's mm -hmm. going to be an alloy range. We Do we know got, when? No, I've not got any information on when the alloy version is coming. I do know something about the alloy version, but basically there's four carbon models. And the carbon models are um, what we've kind of termed low-fat e-bikes. The battery mm -hmm. is 400 watt-hours, which is verging on full-fat. When e-bikes first came mm -hmm. out, that was close to being the, the maximum. Now that's considered kind of low fat. Uh, so the new battery is on the carbon ones is 400 watt hours. The motor is an 80 is a full fat motor. It's eight. It's a Yamaha 85 newton meters motor, but you can tune the torque on it down to as low as 20 newton meters. Now that's torque, not power. These are different things. You can change. You can mm -hmm. you can limit the power on it just like you can with other uh, motors, but you can also actually adjust the torque. Basically, you think of the torque adjustment as you can just you can limit the acceleration. So right. rather than you know, in its low torque model, you could put it into boost and you pedal and you won't get that surge of power. And can you do all of that for every bike in the carbon range? Yes, every right. bike in the carbon range, and you'll be able to do that for the bikes in the alloy range, as I understand it. The difference between okay. the carbon and the alloys is the alloys are actually going to be full fat. They're going to have an eight hundred watt hour battery on them. Uh, the, the the really impressive thing about the carbon model that we rode was that it weighed in. Now this is the manufacturer's claim because we were I was only on a two day launch and we didn't get to weigh them ourselves, and we haven't had one here in the office yet. But it weighed in at eighteen point eight kilos, which is remarkably light for a for an e bike. Mm -hmm. uh, which was down to the battery tech. Now I went in in the story that I launched on Wednesday. I went into great details about these new fancy batteries that they've got because these batteries that are in the giant bike made by Panasonic or a new generation of uh, rechargeable batteries that we're probably going to start seeing in everything from e-bikes to electric cars. And they are more powerful in terms of how much energy they can discharge than the batteries that are in Tesla cars. Um, so, and, then, and it's just made me think <clears throat> the next feature that we need for, for e-bikes is you can pack your Ginsters into your tube and cook it as you go on the way around. Well, you probably microwaves. could. On, you can't see when you look at it is the fact that all the weight is really low down. And that's because the battery is, so, is much more compact. So it, it's, there's more energy density going on with the battery. So the down tube, when you look at the this new giant advanced Trans X Elite E Plus whatever zero zero <laughs> there's actually a lot of space as there's the the down tube i think there's uh, a third of it is empty space at the top and it's not full of battery the down tube so mm. that's kind of uh, that's kind of impressive i was impressed by it and uh, and i've got an interview at the end of this podcast with the chief engineer of giant uh yost backer and uh, sat down with him in utah in uh, in an echoey room 
and uh, talked about what the thinking was behind it. So uh, hang on at the end mm. and you'll get that interview. Now, in the middle of all of that, on that launch day, there was actually a launch that we didn't write about until Thursday because there were so many launches that day. There was also the 3D printed titanium e-wings for e-bikes. I've missed cranks. that. Yeah, which I think were about 1,500 quid for the cranks. But yeah, if you want to bling your e-bike, just just for uh, the there you go. Just for the forum listeners, um, can I just say it? How much? <laughs> oh, by the way, just Which... the answer to your question: the lowest carbon model of that giant was actually oh, yeah. about six thousand quid. Okay. And the one that we were riding was thirteen thousand. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I did say thirteen thousand English pounds. And let's do the how much? How much? Again, because that that's a handy little segue actually to one of the stories that's on the site this week, which was a it's kind of a, more of an opinion piece. It's in, it's under the members uh, stories. Uh, there was a a shirt manufacturer called Kitsbo that ceased to exist this week, and they're in America. And I've written about why I think that it is sad that a company that makes Shirts that cost more than two hundred pounds is no more. So, yeah. How much? You need to nice shirts though. They are. Oh, they yeah. are. They are nice shirts, aren't they? So, so they are shirts and other cycling apparel that are made in a town in America, uh, and they're they're trying. Well, they were trying to make the product there on site. They're trying to help regenerate the town. As part of that, they, you know, they created a bunch of jobs there, employed people in manufacturing jobs. They built new trails there um, and, you know, trying to pay people a living wage that are, that are making them and trying to show that you can make products uh, like on home soil, if you like, um, and environmentally friendly. Mm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's not worked out. Um which I think is sad because I like to see people trying to do stuff in ways that is uh, an alternative form of capitalism, mm. perhaps. It's interesting. All of this week, it did throw up a few comments, some um, t expected and understandable comments about the price of stuff. And I mm. think we did actually come in. Uh, my launch story of this giant e-bike, this £13,000 e-bike, did get some comments about why are they so expensive? Why are we not reviewing stuff that is more reasonably priced? And it's a very fair comment. The one thing I did say in the comments was that when we go on these launches, the brands understandably want to show off the model. And to do that to a whole bunch of journalists you've just flown in from all around the world, they put us on the top level thing. You know, if you imagine if there's a if there was a motoring journalist, you know, motoring magazine and uh, they were launching a new Jaguar's launching a new car. They're going to stick them in the top end bike, and that's kind of what happens in the bike industry. We're aware of that, and and so when we come back from these launches, we always say to the manufacturers, "When is there going to be a test sample of this bike that we can have back on our own soil on our own trails that we can give a good thrashing to?" And we're on the list to get one of these bikes, but we always say to them. Is there any chance you can not send us the top level model? We usually kind of our preference is to get like a mid range model. Well, and and indeed that Canyon launch bike that we've got the Neuron, we've got the AL six, mm. which is two thousand two hundred and forty nine pounds. Yes, for a full suspension bike, which seems like yeah, it's a, it's a easy more to more achievable amount of money. It's easy to look when when launches happen. It's easy to look at them and just see the headline prices. There's always 
those are always usually the top of the you know top spec ones and there are price points that go all the way down so even these carbon range of these e-bikes yes it starts the the carbon 3 version of this giant long titled e-bike um starts at 6000 which is still a crazy amount of money but for you know for an e-bike for being the, the lowest entry point but the alloy ones are going to answer the the lower price points and that's they're going to come in as soon as we've got more information on those we'll we'll get that out to you so amanda what's your news from this week my news is a follow-up on my last week's news. So I mentioned about Kristen Faulkner being disqualified from the Strada Bianchi for wearing a glucose monitor. But I'd only just read about it and was a bit sort of still trying to work it out or process it, but there's quite a lot of news articles. And she confirmed in every way possible to the UCI that she didn't have it turned on. Um, and obviously I feel bad for her. But it's uh, it seems to have been it's like she's taken one for the team, the team being women in sport that it needed something to happen to draw their attention to it to talk about women's health in sport. So she's come out to say she's basically lost her period in the past, and it's only from using this glucose monitor that she's actually been able to get a hold of her health and get her period back naturally. Um, and not being able to use one like i've lost mine from going to spain it was just it's simply you do too much and you don't fuel properly like i just think um eat until i'm full and that should do the job but apparently it hasn't done and i've lost it when i've done a load of xc racing or when i first started road riding and it, it's just a really fragile balance and if you've got a tool that can help you be healthy then you should be able to use it so it seems like she's sort of fought back but not in that she wants the third place back more she wants the uci to look into it and has been quite vocal about the fact it's you know it's mostly male run and they need to just acknowledge that women's bodies are different and they have different needs and it's a really important thing if you've got this tool that can help don't stop them from using it so mm. although it's a bad thing for her something good may come of it because it has highlighted that there is something on the market that they might need to consider allowing mm. okay so. and oh also i have um reached out to to is it super sapiens um mm basically I, I want to try it because I, I talk about it a lot because it is such a prominent thing in my life my cycle and it's obviously um it's related to glucose levels and insulin and all that so I've asked if I can test one because at this point I so I've gone on a bikepacking trip for two weeks and was riding for about eight hours a day every day and I've lost my period as a result of it can't be anything else that's caused it and I don't actually know how you magic it back I've just totally messed my cycle up and I don't know don't know what you do. Do you just wait or do you use a tool? <laughs> mm. Well, uh, we shall await oh. your testing with interest. Yeah. So I can see, <laughs> people can't see our faces, but I just saw Mark hear me say, do you use a tool? I mean one that you've slapped onto your arm to measure your glucose levels, Mark. <laughs> Not a rod or... <laughs> I'm aware of my non-qualification to join in this discussion. I'm trying to keep quiet. 
Well, you have a female in your life that does sports, so it's true. No, You're... I'm looking forward to you. I'm looking forward to you getting one of these things to test and see what all, see you know learning more about it. I'm just gonna be walking around eating biscuits all the time. I think that's what that my vision of having glucose levels available to me is oh i need a digestive there was a kid at my school that always had a pack of digestives with him and everyone was really jealous primary school level we didn't know he was diabetic we just thought otherwise he gets to eat biscuits in assembly so uh on another it's not on our site actually i just saw it in social media the another women's racing thing Uh, there's a south african mountain bike racer called amy wakefield was racing in the Absa Cape Epic, and and she turned like a corner, scraped her arm on a tree, and uh, it basically cut a massive hole in her arm. She yeah. <laughs> oh my god. The picture uh, is hard to but, work out what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, and then but her and her teammate, it wasn't bleeding very much, so they they just put some duct tape on it and she finished the race. <laughs> She's absolutely hard as nails. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah maybe don't go looking for that one on the internet if you're squeamish but um we all have tales of of duct tape um fixes but that was quite an extreme one you know it's just halfway oh. through her arm basically wasn't it i wouldn't like to be peeling it off afterwards like the worst version of pulling a plaster off a wound Ugh. duct tape that's holding your arm together oh right <laughs> on that note Shall we? Um... We're moving along because Mark's Mark's feeling faint. Yes. He hasn't had all his toast. No, I've got a piece of toast here that's gone cold, and uh, I'm, yeah, we were talking about this before we started, didn't we? Uh, hot. I can't eat cold toast. Have you got an air fryer? Could yeah. warm it up. Of course, I've got an air fryer. <laughs> Who doesn't have an air fryer? You can't work how... with Charlie and not be sold on how you should. Everyone how... should have an air fryer. How first world is Mark? He's like, oh, I can't eat cold toast, but I could just work in my air for fryer. research purposes go and reheat it in the air fryer. It's got peanut butter on. Will that melt and make a mess? Right, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to stop talking about my breakfast now, and uh, I think it's time to handle next week. Hopefully, and I want to point out, by the way, that this is yet another single track podcast that we've put out without Ross being on it. We've um, Ross is our ad guy. And I think we need a bit of a petition. I think we need some pressure from the listeners. We've been desperately for months trying to get Ross to come and help us out and join us on a podcast because he honestly is, is, is I don't know how you describe his uh, attitude to life. Good <laughs> value. He's good value. Yes, that's it. He's good value. Uh, he's, he'll be very good value in your ears, but he's refusing point blank to come on the podcast. So I think we need some pressure from the listeners. We, this, I'm going to start counting. This is yet another episode without Ross on the Single Track <laughs> Podcast. And on that note, I'm going to hand over to, um, well, me, actually. This is uh, what you're going to listen to now is me talking to the lead engineer of Giant, Yoast Backer, out in Utah, uh, St. George, uh, in, on the edge of the desert out there, about the new Giant e-bike launch. And I'm not going to try and remember the name of it again and uh, all the clever things that have gone into launching this bike. So over to me and, and Yoast. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi guys, it's Mark here. I'm actually in Utah at the moment. So I've just had a two-day launch of a new giant e-bike and I'm sat here now with Giant's global category manager, uh, Joost Bakker. I got that right. So you got that absolutely perfect. Fantastic. All right. So I mean first of all, what a place this is. It's fantastic. It's beautiful to be out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very different from Holland. Yes, it is indeed. Certainly as it is at the moment. Now the bike itself, that you know is what everybody wants to get the information on. It's got a it's got a big title. It's got a snappy title. Do you want to give us the actual model, the complete model name of the bike we've just been riding? So the complete model name, and that's a long one, so bear with me. That's the Trans X Advanced E Plus Elite. <laughs> so it's a mouthful for it sure. Is. Um, so in short, we typically say okay, Trans X Elite. So yeah, that, that covers. Transex. I was going to ask you, how do you internally at Giant? How do Transex you Elite. The yeah, Transex Elite. That okay. covers the basics. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Now, the Transex Elite that we've been riding is a full carbon model. Correct. And it's an e-bike. Yep. It's got a Yamaha motor because Giants always use Yamaha motors, isn't it? We tend to say it's a Giant motor. Right. Um, and similar like how perhaps other brands uh, use our production facility as a as, as for production. Yep. Um, we are uh, gladly partnering with Yamaha and they've produced the motors for us. It's been co-developed, so it's truly been our engineers and their engineers developing a motor and we share the platform. So they use the same hardware in the Yamaha system and we use that same hardware in their production in the Giant system. So we truly treat it as a Giant motor, but it is indeed the same platform and shares the hardware with Yamaha. Now you're collab you pointed out there that you collaborate with the manufacturer, you know, with Yamaha. Now that's different to, I mean, because all of our readers will be very familiar with uh, the, the other mainstream motors in the market. So you've got your Shimano, you've got your Bosch. Now, because Giant collaborates with you, Yamaha, it's brought some advantages to the table in terms of design of the actual motor, hasn't it? Do you want to just Correct. give us a bit of an insight? Yeah, that, that, was a, that was an interesting one because, of course, we get a very early peak of what, what their engineers are working on or thinking about, and they're the motor experts. We're, we're just here to make a bike around it, basically, um, <clears throat> and, and build a system around it with, uh, with those components. So um, when seeing those first drafts, we basically went around and thought, well, maybe we could optimize that to work better with our bike and, and with our linkages and making sure that the, the Maestro suspension linkage especially 
um, fits better into that motor. So really it was us asking their engineers like, hey, what if you could move that part of the motor over there? What if, you know, moving parts around basically um, to create a motor housing um, that works together with that Maestro link mm. so that we could build kind of like a, a system between motor and, and suspension yeah. and build that as compact as possible. So this is a bit like being able to go to Shimano or Bosch and saying, can you just make the motor this shape, please? Which you would get the answer, no. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So the, the benefit of working with Yamaha in that close relationship is, yes, your engineers can all work together and make the motor. And that's re that's actually reduced the clearance, the ground clearance, hasn't it? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So that was a big, big leap forward, basically, mm. from the previous, um, the previous motor to, to the current one. It's like inch and a half more ground clearance. So that's yeah. fantastic. So moving on to the battery, because the battery is really quite interesting. Because uh, I know this is a podcast, but I'm presuming that uh, people who are listening to this, you're also looking at our website, and you can see the pictures of this bike now. And I have to say, it's a gorgeous looking bike. Thank you. It doesn't look like an e-bike. No, it's, it doesn't, does it? It yeah. doesn't. It looks slim. It looks compact. It's 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 tremendous. Now, we we this is we call this a well we call this at single track we call this a semi skimmed e bike, which means that it's not a full powered in terms of the capacity of the battery. As as it's uh, the battery capacity is four hundred watt hours. Is that correct? That's correct. And yet, the biggest semi skimmed battery. I've seen in other models, I think the Orbe Arise is 365, uh, the Specialized Levo SL is 325, but you've managed to get this to 400, and yet the profile of this bike is really quite spectacular. That, how have you done that with the battery? The battery is different, isn't it? Correct. We, we chose for a, um, a cell configuration, so each battery is built up of um, 20 cylindrical cells, like yep. a small, almost like a they look like shotgun cartridges. They yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so we went for a configuration that's uh, perhaps a little bit longer than you would see on on other systems. Um, and because we built it into our own frame, we can go as long as 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 can fit, as long as we can still make an extra small size yeah. out of it, which is important for us for the um, particularly for the live yeah. version of this bike. <clears throat> and um, so we can optimize that. And uh, we don't need to consider other brands or, mm -hmm. or uh, completely other configurations of bikes. We can make it as, as slim as possible. And I think that's where that came from. Yeah, so it's, it's, is it's the type of battery, because there was a great deal of detail in the presentation two days ago that, went, that took me back to the times when I was doing physics. Right. <laughs> uh, talking about the, the, not just the chemistry, but the, the current that can pass through these batteries. Because they've got a larger diameter, and it means that they can actually pass more current. Correct. That's right. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if everyone will be familiar with this, but I'm pretty sure that some of our listeners will be familiar with the categorization of certain cells. They might have seen it in the brochures of their e-bikes. There was an 18600 was a standard. Yeah, 18650. 18650, yeah. yeah. all right. And those numbers, are, they, they actually mean something. So what does the 18 mean and what does the 650 mean? So... Um, we're talking about the cell type, yes. and what we're really talking about is the dimension. So it's a physical. It's a physical yeah. dimension. It's it's nothing about the chemistry inside yet. It's about the physical dimension, and so 18 stands for the 18 millimeter of that cylindrical cell, and 650 stands for 65 millimeters in length. Yeah. 
But that's not what Giant is using in these torches, no. is it? Because yep. you've got you've upgraded. Now, what's the link with Tesla? Because Tesla was mentioned in the presentation. Right. So we don't have a link with Tesla. We've been working with Panasonic yep. for as long as we've been making e-bikes. So that that is a a relationship that goes back 25 years to the very first LaFree bikes that we <laughs> developed long, long time ago. And so um, our relationship is with Panasonic and Panasonic has developed in collaboration with Tesla, the, let's say the next generation of cell type, yep. which then was the 21700. So a larger volume cell. And um, the whole industry was fixed on this one dimension for, for very good reasons, yeah. but it was kind of at the end of its, of its, of its development cycle. Yeah. And so Panasonic and Tesla then developed the 21700 cell primarily for, for, for automobiles, for cars. And um, with a very similar goal in mind, um, but not perfectly optimized for e-bikes. Um, it had higher volume, therefore higher capacity, um, but didn't increase the, um, the, uh, the discharge capacity yep. or, or that current, uh, yeah, let's say, availability Yes, to where you could really have a light e-bike but still power it with full power. Yeah. And that's where the project for Panasonic with us came into place to develop a 22700 cell. So this is the first in the bike industry that we know of that's using this new Correct. kind of cell. Correct. And that's what's enabled the, the whole bike to look like it's not an e-bike, but it's packed with capacity. It's packed with 400 watt-hours. Correct. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, now, this is a very geeky question, and uh, might keep this in the podcast. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. But one of the reasons that the batteries... Certainly, if we're going back to a Tesla, the Teslas are renowned for the fact that they can just... They can discharge so much current from their batteries, they can do that ludicrous mode of 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds. Now, my understanding is it wasn't developed that way in order to make that acceleration. It's because those larger capacities, it means you can charge them faster. Because if the current comes out fast, it can go in fast. So it's all about fast charging. So with that in mind, the charging of uh, the new bike, does the char can the charger charge uh, the trans... Advanced E plus. I've lost it again. What do we call it? Call it the trans transax elite. Transax elite. Let's, let's, keep, let's yeah. keep it simple. Transax elite. Can you charge it faster? Does the charge? Is there anything developing in in that area? Um, in uh, yes and no. Um, so we have the six amp charger, which is yep. that's uh, quite yeah, it's quite beefy. Quite quite beefy. That's yep. faster than than most yep. uh, e bike chargers in the market. Um, we have that available, but the the difference between the 4 amp and the 6 amp on this battery is not as much as on an, a full size battery yeah. because still the amount of um, charge and discharge current you can you can load this battery with is still smaller on the half size battery than on a full size battery. Yeah. So the difference between the 4 amp and the 6 amp charging is not as much much as it is on a full size bike. So we found that you know it yeah it, it improves it so it goes for those who want the numbers, mm -hmm. it charges with the 4 amp charger that comes with the bike. It charges to 80% of the battery in two hours. Yep. And, uh, sorry, in two and a half hours. Two and a half 4 hours. 4 amp, and it does it in two hours with the 6 amp. Now, we ship it with the 4 amp um, 
because we found that that's that cost difference between the four amp and the six amp mm. charges are expensive and the yeah. six amp is substantially more expensive um, was not worth that, that sure. half an hour um, now the reason we mentioned 80 percent is because to preserve the durability of the battery and make sure that you know the, the battery has a very long lifetime yeah we do a very slow kind of a drip feed in the final 20%. In, in the final 20%. So the actual full charge is about four hours, which is not that impressive, yeah. but that, that first 80 is where... It's really quick. Yep. Anyone with an electric car is going to understand that concept, aren't they? Because when you charge from a, you charge your car up, you get to 80% really quick, and then the last bit takes... And that's just looking after the battery. Yep. Brilliant. Okay. Now, I wanted to go back to... That's the battery technology, which is qu quite clever. But I wanted to go back to the motor again, because this particular motor... It does something I've never seen before in any of the other previous motors in terms of its torque in the fact that um, I mean all of our listeners will be used to knowing what the torque ratings are of the electric uh, the e-bikes that they're riding let me see if I've got this right uh, both Shimano and Bosch currently running at 85 Newton meters I think um, I'm not sure what the specialized Levo full fat motors running at but the SL version is 35 Newton meters right. Or they are running a, a Shimano custom motor that's been downgraded to down downrated downgraded. It's not. They would get cross if I called it a downgrade. Uh, downrated to sixty newton meters. So the, all these motors have got fixed torque outputs, right. but this motor is different. A little bit, yes. So what's what's same about it is it has that same eighty-five newton meter max output. Yep. So that's similar. That's in line with Bosch and Shimano sure. and other motors out there. Um, so that is that. That's the same. What's unique is that um, we can you can completely tune each and every one of the modes individually. So the bike comes with uh, with five manual modes and then an, uh, an automatic mode as well that basically uses those tunes. And uh, those five manual modes you can completely tune it down to as low as you want to go to like to as low as twenty newton meter, mm. uh, which is quite light. Yeah. Um, to preserve battery range and, and um, yeah. yeah, have a longer ride. And this is different from just basically turning down the power of the of the motor. Actually, it's you can still get that maximum assist, but you're getting it at a lower torque, so it would take the acceleration would be longer, which is something else that can be tuned. Right, correct. So um, we have actually three tunable features yep. in, in in the bike. So you can tune the actual support ratio. So the amount of power that the motor will output in relation to, to your input, to your effort. So if you're putting in a certain effort, the motor is kicking out from 50% of that amount of power to four times. So 400% of that power. That's one thing. Then the torque is, let's say, the, the, the force, the power with which it achieves that, that um, support ratio. And then the last thing is uh, an acceleration. So we um, can tune the how quick the um, the motor achieves the full the yep. full torque actually. So that's as fast as two hundred milliseconds or as slow as two and a half seconds. Um, so to really dial in, depending on the terrain and how you ride, yep. and um, really dial in how the motor responds to have an either very slow and I would say controlled. Yeah response or have a very snappy fast response and it really depends on the terrain sure so people who've ridden some of the early mountain bikes and probably uh, e-mountain bikes with the motors where if you put it in boost mode 
the acceleration was so quick that it would actually slide you off the back of the saddle. Right. You can actually tune that with this with this motor. Yep, that's very very impressive. So uh, people who are, uh, of course, all the tuning is done by an app. Correct. And yep. um, so if people like to fiddling with their settings, they're going to absolutely love this motor, aren't they? Because there's so many settings that you can actually play with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The the bike. The idea with the whole bike, not only the motor, but basically all the um, electronics and and yeah, I would almost say gadgetry that that goes. I shouldn't say that. I think that our marketing team wouldn't like that. But that that goes along with this bike. If yep. um, is designed for really two different types of riders in mind. That when you turn the bike on that you don't actually need any app, you don't need any adjustment. Yep. It has an, an automatic support mode, it has on top models automatic suspension, it has all these fantastic uh, electronics being helping you in your favor and you don't actually need to set anything, just turn it on and ride. But if you like to, mm. there's a, a phenomenal range of adjustments that you can make through the app. Um, Some yeah. people are going to absolutely love that. Um, now, you mentioned um, automatic suspension adjustment. What we're talking about there is the Fox Light valve. Correct. So I wanted to move along away from the um, the actual motor system and the batteries to some of the things that come on. Now there's three levels of this particular model that we've been riding. There's level three, two, one, and zero. We were riding zero. Correct. So my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that zero comes with live valve one. So the the top two models come with live valve. Correct. Now, live valve. It's an e-bike. Right. Live valve is about making riding and suspension super efficient yeah. and so i'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening to this going what live valve on an e-bike right what's the what's all that about <laughs> excellent question so um perhaps the most there's there's two key reasons that we we wanted to spec live valve on this bike and and integrate it really into the system because it it, it plugs in straight into the system one reason is that it it only helps you actually on the flat and when climbing. Like when you're descending, it's an open yep. shock. It's it's an analog shock at that point. But when you're when the terrain allows, when it's flat or when you're climbing, it, it stiffens up a little bit. It, it mm. closes the compression uh, damping a little bit. And what that does is it helps you sit up a little bit higher in the shock. So instead of sinking into the shock. So you can imagine that when you're have to do like load the bike a little bit and then hop over like certain things on a climb or you have a, a steep section on a bike that doesn't have that compression adjustment um, you're going to sink into you're really going to squat into the bike and yeah. often you're losing the front wheel you're losing traction you especially with the motor power kicking in mm -hmm. you often can kind of wheelie yeah. out and and lose your you know lose your trail or track that you were sure. you were pointing for um, or worse. So, um, yeah, so I think that is where it really shines, where on steep terrain, on, on technical, tricky areas, yeah. live up really helps you to sit a little bit higher in the suspension and keep your front wheel on the ground, keep that traction. And, um, yeah, that, that's where it really shines. Um, yeah, so that was the, the major yeah. reason. Uh, a secondary reason is we find more and more, especially with these lighter weight e-bikes, that efficiency is not people tend to think that on an e-bike efficiency doesn't matter but mm. in the end whether it's your power or battery power you're still you you're still losing energy yeah and so if you want to have a 
a good range out of that battery, out of both your own and, and the bike's battery, efficiency still matters, uh, maybe even more so, because you're, you're using a lot of power, and whether it's from your power or, or the bike's power, efficiency still matters, yeah. especially on a bike with, with a lighter, uh, lighter setup like this. So it connects, it's one of the things, it's, it's basically it's about the range, it will extend the range. Correct. Right. Now getting onto the range, because that's interesting, because the thing is, there's a lot of people who ride e-bikes probably worry about the range, they get range anxiety, just like people who drive electric cars, they're just full of range anxiety all the time. So, um, but this, this bike, one of the first things that I did when we got on it was I rode it around the car park, because we all do car park tests and then make an instant decision sure. about whether we like this bike or not. Yep. And, uh, and I just turned the motor off. I wanted to see what it was like to ride it without the motor. And it was, it was shockingly just like a bike. So in terms of range anxiety, I didn't really have any when we went out, certainly because the first day we, there was no chance of us actually running out of power right. because I knew I'd be able to pedal this thing. Right. With, if, if I did. Now that's because it weighs the one that we were riding. That's 19 kilos? 19 kilos, yeah. Now that's kind of a, with a 400 watts yep. hour battery in there. Yep. That's really quite phenomenal. That's, yep. that's one that makes it one of the lightest e-bikes on the market. Yeah, yeah, we, we chose to go in a direction that we're not the lightest and we didn't feel that we needed to, uh, but we wanted to be in that ballpark yeah. um, with a configuration that would feel uncompromised in terms of motor output and battery. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was the objective. We, we may not be the, the absolute lightest, but we're definitely in, the, in that range of, of lightweight, sure. lightweight e-bikes. So, so going, this is the trans. Uh, version now a lot of our listeners should be familiar with the trans it's been around for a very long time the trans is not the big hardcore bike got the um, got the rain for that and there's an e-bike version of the rain isn't there yep um this is who is this bike for what's the market for this bike what kind of rider is this for i think it's it's a rider that that a lot of us can can frankly identify with um it's a very much a kind of general do-it-all trail bike. Uh, mm. We purposely didn't design it to be like a mini enduro bike. Um, you'd have to change the bike quite a bit to, to do that. It, yeah. it is a, it's just a trail bike. It's not a long travel bike. It doesn't have super slack head tube angles or anything like that. It's, it's supposed to be a very friendly, um, yeah, I keep coming back to the, to the word do-it-all, but yeah. it's, um, it shoots hold its own on, on the sense for sure. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't be too much of a bike when you're just doing relatively mild pedaling and, and easier, easier trails out there. Because there's a lot of people, especially on e-bikes that, that aren't doing crazy aggressive sure. stuff. Yeah. And um, we always found that building a short travel trail bike is not really necessary. Yeah. And so, um, we start with a 140, 150 millimeter travel on, on this level of bikes. Yeah. We, we don't have anything shorter because it, I think most consumers would, would appreciate um, the, the, yeah, the added travel. Yeah. And so, um, but we still need to think about consumers that, that are not doing the craziest, most aggressive mm -hmm. trails or the wildest, roughest terrains that are out there. Sure, you know, the, the bike should be capable in that terrain. But we didn't want to overdo it. We got the rain E for yeah for for that sure. But. 
That's, yeah, so uh, we're um, where we are right now, we're about, I think, about less than 20 miles away from where Rampage happened. This is not a Rampage bike. <laughs> it absolutely isn't. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that would, that would be a, a poor decision to, yeah. to go there. So, now, um, um, before we get on to prices, and also there is a different model of this bike coming out that's got a larger battery capacity but before we get into that there is something else about this bike that's very different and that is the um the combined uh one piece bar and stem right now there's a lot of people out there when they hear one piece bar and stem are going to go oh no it's fixed i can't adjust it i don't want a one piece bar and stem because i want to be able to decide my own reach yeah this is this is the first i was kind of blown away by this this is a one-piece bar stem, but it's adjustable. Yep. Tell yep. us about that. Yeah, so we, we didn't we didn't want to just come out with another one-piece bar and stem. There's there's been plenty on the on the market and people who want that can can find that. And um, we only wanted to do that if we could build in some kind of adjustability and, and meet those yeah, those those demands because you know, every one of us does that. You you dial in your the handlebar roll or the stem length to where you're comfortable on the bike. And so um, we came up with a design that uh, allows you to adjust both the stem um, length, so between mm -hmm. a 40 and a 45 and a 50 millimeter stem length. Yep. So, so you can adjust the length by five millimeter increments. Um, and just by rotating or, or adding in another uh, sleeve, so uh, by having two sleeves, you can achieve those three positions. And then um, to adjust the bar roll, so how much forward or backward you want the handlebar to be, um, we actually angled those spacers. So with that, you can achieve either a minus three degree, uh, a zero or a plus three degree um, yeah, bar roll, a handlebar position, basically. It's worth just, just for the tape here. Yes, we're talking about a fixed bar stem that has adjustable handlebar roll. I'm just going to let that sink in for a moment. Because that's, unfortunately, this is audio only. You really need to kind of see this. You know, we'll have all the pictures and all the details over on our website. So go over and check this out. But yeah, this is a fixed bar and stem that actually not just adjusts the reach, but also adjusts the roll of the bars. It's quite revolutionary, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, we're really happy with how that how yeah. that turned out and feel like we solved the problem. Uh, we solved the the, the dilemma of do I go for something that's lightweight and clean uh, or do I go for the adjustability and we, we managed to put both into one package. That's impressive. So yes, buy nothing more than just some, a lot of very clever shims. Exactly. When you look at it, it it's, you know, it's not incredibly complicated. Um, it, well, it is when it's, all, when it's all set up and you understand it. I did count, I think I counted it was about 14 shims in the pack. There's think, 14 pieces. I think there's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's about <laughs> so it's a little daunting at first, but it's not something you're going to be doing all the time. You're going to set this yeah. up. You, it's, it's your ride position. You, you're going to set it up at the start yep. and then that's it. And you want, you can forget about it after that. So that's quite amazing. So, right, we've, we've tackled that. We're now going to go on to the... Uh, there's a different model because we've been testing the, just remind me again, because it's gone out of my head again. What are we, the Trans. The Trans X. Trans X Elite. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've been riding the Zero, so the oh, top model. The top model. There is another There is another model, which is the, uh, what, what the listeners would be uh, familiar with, the full fat version. Right. 800 watt hour battery. Yeah. So we haven't seen that at this launch, have we? 
No, no, no. That was uh, launched, I believe it was two months ago, yep. with our first uh, limited edition. So a little bit in, in, um, in honor of our 50-year anniversary. So Giant's been yep. in business now for 50 years, and we did a limited edition uh, that was launched two months ago. And that was the first uh, bike, also Trans-X, um, but that was launched with uh, a new 800-watt-hour battery. Yeah. That's that's an enormous amount of now the the weight on that though. Yep. Tell us about the weight of that system because that's an awful lot of uh, full power, full fat e bike. Yep. But it weighs in at uh, four point three kilograms, if I'm correct, on the battery. On the battery. Yeah. Yep. And the complete bike starts at twenty three point zero kilogram. That's the lightest version and goes up to basically twenty four, depending on the model. Sure. So for a a, a full fat, full torque. Uh, 800 watt hour batch, uh, powered e-bike that's in itself that's really quite impressive to get a weight around about that 23 to 24 kilos yeah and that was um, thanks by the way and that was <laughs> yeah that was large, largely due to the same battery cell development yeah. that was done for this bike yeah so as, as technology develops and batteries technology develops it's really filtering down trickling down into into e-bike technology e-bike design absolutely yeah. fantastic right now prices so it won't come as any surprise to the listeners to know that we were at the launch here as is customary at these launches we get we're in the lucky position we get to ride the top of the top of the line model which was the the zero model which uh comes in well you you tell me just it it it's still still dollars it, it still boggles my mind uh the the, the pricing but this one comes in at fourteen thousand dollars yeah. us dollars so um wherever you live in the world that that may translate to different yeah uh, different prices in different currencies but yeah that's an uh, that's that's arguably an expensive piece of kit it is but i mean it's got all the tech it's got it's not just got um live valve it's got access it's it's, it's wireless it's all out there's axes yeah. uh, so the quark tire whiz on there there's the zip wheels on there there's it's it's all out for yeah. that one yeah. that's it now that comes down to the then the next one down is the is the one is the one Correct. still got live valve on it yep and the price on that in dollars to give people an idea at the moment is that is um at ten thousand ten thousand yep and then the three doesn't have live valve doesn't have live valve um and comes so in the two the two the two We're on the doesn't two. have yep. live valve yep doesn't have live valve comes in in the us at uh, seven thousand two hundred and then the three and then the three is at uh, six thousand US and dollars. they're all carbon but the three has an aluminum rear triangle so all the others are full carbon including the rear triangle but the three to keep that six thousand dollar price point yeah. went, we went for the aluminum uh, rear triangle excellent and the spec on that if you want to check out the actual spec because it is like i said before it is november right now so these things do change territories have slightly different specs by now we will have the whole spec and the, all the, the prices in um, in british pounds whatever that's worth in january <laughs> <laughs> but go check out the website now if you want to see the full spec of, of these bikes. So um, I think that covers about everything. So Yost, uh, thank you so much for spending the time to talk to us. Now I've got one thing Thanks left for you. Yost, do you like coffee? Oh, I'm an absolute coffee addict. I've got something for you. Right. All right, listeners, just bear with us. This is visual, but I'm going to... I've got this in a bag because it's so strong. This is getting curious. Single track magazines. Single track blend. deadline blend. That's it. Wonderful. 
Oh, can you smell that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If only they could just smell a vision on podcasts. That's freshly roasted. It's freshly roasted. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, Thank you very much. If you like strong coffee, that's the one for you. That is going to be absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. No problem at all. If you're out there, if that's turned you on to getting a cup of coffee, then we do sell this on our website. So go over to see how I've turned this into a bit of an ad at the end. <laughs> go check out our online shop and order yourself some of our single track deadline blend coffee. But that's all for now. So Yoast, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, and thank you for that, Mark. Um, and now we're all back here in the present day and in the present, not that cold, but definitely not that warm. Another thing from this week that happened that's quite exciting is we've got a new partnership with Cycling UK for our classic rides in the magazine, which I think by the time people are listening to this, the deadline for joining for the print magazine will have passed. But uh, you can always sign up online because you can always access the PDF digital versions of the magazine. Um, but yeah, we've got a new partnership with Cycling UK for our classic rides, which are our route guides. Um, and so we'll be working with them, raising a few eyebrows at some of the missing links that we're not allowed to write along and put in a route guide because they have a stupid designation or we have stupid access laws and that kind of thing. So Cycling UK has got a big push on uh, off-road uh, cycling this year. Um, and and as it turns out, with the last few weeks, the government's made a number of policy decisions that kind of shows that they really need Cycling UK and, and other access groups to, to get on the case. I saw a, a quote that we've only got access to 8% of the land in the UK. Mm. Yeah. I've seen that number as well. It's pretty Because awful. you're not, strictly speaking, allowed to walk off the footpath and across the field unless we've got the right to roam, which we have in some areas, more, more or less in the national parks. Most of the land you can't actually access. Mm. I'm looking forward to this partnership with Cycling UK because we've always been kind of religiously sticking to the, 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 the established rules of route guides that whenever we're out on a route guide... It has to be 100% legal. Now, caveat, all of our route guides that we publish will be 100% legal, but we're going to be able, with the help of and support from Cycling UK, point out the places where there's perhaps some dispute or mm. where there are places that don't make sense that the access is as it is. So um, I'm looking forward to actually raising those issues. That's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. I want to find some like good route examples where like the the legal route makes you ride along an a road when there is a perfectly good farm track just to the side of you i can give you a good example there's a bridleway that goes from ingleborough in the yorkshire dales goes all the way up to the summit of ingleborough and it's a bridleway all the way up and as soon as you get to the summit it stops being a bridleway and it carries on as a footpath so if you are on a bike or if you're on a horse, then technically you can ride all the way up to the summit, but you can't continue along the path once you've got to the summit and down yeah. the other side into Horton and Ribblesdale. You have to stop at that point, despite the fact the track is right there. You have to stop and you have to turn around and come all the way back. And the reason for that is there's a parish boundary that crosses mm -hmm. it. And this is the weird thing in this country. We have parish boundaries whereby where footpaths footpath sometimes just end. Bridleways so suddenly turn into footpaths. It's... So this is the whole thing with how things have been recorded. For people, I'm, I am always quite surprised by the fact that a lot of people don't realise 
that you're not supposed to ride on a footpath or how the designations of access and things work. But but once upon a time, the rights of way map was created and it's called the designated map. And that that gives you the the places that are footpaths, the places that are bridleways, the places that are uh, rights of access, whatever. But if you compare that to what's on the ground, it doesn't always match up. Some of them are completely missing. Um, and some of them, like you say there, uh, when the parish councils helped put this map together, they just made def- different designations. So the things join- don't join up. Now, the uh, Countryside Rights Away Act did have a deadline of 2026, whereby anybody that spotted what would, we would call errors. Landowners might say that's just the way it is. Um, you had to put in an application to redesignate and correct those errors um, and make sure that those historic rights away were kept. Now, the deadline for doing that was 2026. But I mean, our local council here in Calderdale, there's applications that go back to the 90s that, that they haven't been processed. Um, they haven't been looked at even. And so there's no way that all of those applications are going to get done by 2026. The government did, last year, about a year ago, announce that they were going to lift that deadline. And everybody, ramblers, riders, everybody, breathed a sigh of relief. Like, phew, we can keep keep plugging away at trying to redesignate these paths. Uh, and then this week, government went, nah, actually, I'm going to give you five years. So uh, 2031, deadline's back in place. Um so uh, yeah kind of back to where we were because the government said oh well because of covid delays you might need a bit more time we had such delays it's got nothing to do with covid there's no chance of all these applications i mean they're huge the process is like ridiculous and onerous and the government has said that they're gonna make it streamlined and easier but given that there's been a considerable amount of lobbying with or by the cla the countryside it's basically landowners alliance Uh, i'm slightly concerned that that streamlined process may be stacked against the favor of the public so so yes something else that happened this week (laughs) but it brings us back to the importance of the partnership that we've got with cycling uk and if if you've got one of those paths near you that doesn't make sense then go and have a look. Cycling UK's got some good guidance on how to go about designating or applying to designate, redesignate those trails. Well, I think that's probably all we've got time for this week. Yes. So we will leave it there. Uh, Next week, maybe next week is the week we get Ross on. Go and check out those news stories on the website that we've been talking about. And uh, we will see you again next week. We won't see you. It's a podcast, isn't it? You'll hear from us again (laughs) next year. Next year? Oh my God. Can we do this sign off again? Because I just Just... completely screwed that up. Yes. I don't know. I think we should just leave it at that. Shall we we leave it in? Because, yeah. It's the lack of toast. Banged your head when you fell off a chair. It's the lack of toast and peanut butter. I've got to go and sort that out. Right. We're off now. Goodbye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.